turn to read in Judges chapter 8. Your bulletin says verse 13 through 21, but I want to read only verses 13 through 17. Judges chapter 8, verse 13 through 17. And Gideon, the son of Joash, returned from battle before the sun was up and caught a young man of the men of Succoth and inquired of him. And he described unto him the princes of Succoth and the elders thereof even threescore and seventeen men. And he came unto the men of Succoth and said, Behold, Zeba and Zalmunna, with whom ye did upbraid me, saying, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna now in thine hand that we should give bread unto thy men that are weary? And he took the elders of the city and thorns of the wilderness and briars and with them he made them to know that is the men of Succoth. And he beat down the tower of Penuel and slew the men of the city. Before we look at that text, would you stand with me again, please, and join me in singing number 494. Vain are the hosts, the sons of men, on their own works have built, their hearts by nature all unclean, and all their actions guilt. Let Jew and Gentile silent bow without a murmuring word. Let all the race of man confess their guilt before the Lord. In vain we ask God's righteous law to justify us now since to convince and to condemn is all the law can do. Jesus, how gracious is thy grace when in thy name we trust, our faith receive 
the righteousness that makes the sinner just. Thank you and be seated. When God sends a teacher, payday will come. I come this morning hoping to finish our consideration of the subject of these verses in chapter 8 of the history of Israel's judges. To that end, that is to the end of completing our thoughts, to the end of contemplating this doctrine, I have brought already to your hearts three messages on this awful theme of God's certain and searching judgment against man's sins. I have testified to you from the beginning of that very first message. I have testified of my own personal pain and sorrow in dealing with this solemn subject. Very different from in the days of my youth. Nevertheless, I have tried to illuminate to our soul's advantage three specific categories of sinners as portrayed here in the three judgments recorded by God's Holy Spirit. We looked first at that first category of sinners, the Midianites, whom I said to you, anticipated, expected to avoid the judgment of God by running away. And then that second category of sinners who thought to escape the judgment of God, the sons of Penuel, by hiding. <coughs> and then on last week, that final category of sinners who believed themselves to be able to escape the judgment of God by their own cunning, by their forming alliances with the world. Now today, in a very brief message of conclusion, I hope only to gather up some few fragments left behind and so draw to a close our contemplation of this all-filled subject. I would bring to your attention only three distinct thoughts this morning that I hope will grip our minds as we turn to leave this text. These three judgments. I hope that I may leave you with some abiding thoughts 
as we survey a conclusion. I would have us to see the first thought. Simply put, that judgment, God's judgment, is unrelenting. Judgment of God is unrelenting in its pursuit. Now I have made comment on this truth already more than a few times. But I would press it to your heart once again. We've seen this truth time and time again in this account of Gideon as he faithfully executes the work of God against his enemies. Way back in chapter 7, after Gideon had spent all day in mustering God's army, you remember that glorious story, I hope, mustering God's army in God's way and by God's appointment. After he had spent all day in doing that. We read in verse 9 of that chapter, and it came to pass the same night that the Lord said, Arise and get thee down. And you remember the story, the account, the record. He went down and he heard these Midianites in their conversation. All day he'd spent in mustering God's army and working. And now in the night, God says, in the same night, you'll go down. And then, no sooner than Gideon had heard this talk, in verse 15, that he set out that very night on the long march in the dark. And you remember, Luke brought us a tremendous message on marching in the dark through the night. And through those nine hours, he marched on and into that valley where God wrought a great miracle of deliverance and judgment on his enemies. And now after all this tireless, arduous, and ceaseless labor, Gideon pursues on, verse 23, and the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali and out of Asher and out of Manasseh and pursued on after the Midianites. And they pursued on until Zeb and Oreb were taken, and God's work of judgment marched on. It is in that next chapter, chapter 8, then that we find Gideon not in an encampment of rest, no, no, but again we see him in his unrelenting pursuit. Verse 4 of that chapter, and Gideon came to Jordan and passed over. 
and I brought you a message in which I shared with you and talked with you about this. In this next chapter, he's going on, he's marching on, and he's not resting. He's come in his unrelenting pursuit in verse 4. He's come to Jordan, and he's going to pass over it. Passing over, he marches on even without the necessary bread for their sustenance. He carries on until we find in verse 10 that he catches up with that host of Midianites, 15,000 men strong, and he smote the host, is the words that the scripture uses. He smote the host. But wait, he's not done even yet. Verse 13 Verse 13 of that tells us, And Gideon, the son of Joash, returned from battle before the sun was up. He's marched all night again. He's marched all night again. Now he returns again before the sun was up and begins all over again to track down all of those God-hating, disobedient sinners whose cold-hearted greed had sought to poison the well of God's blessings. And he pursues them. He searches them out and he finds them and we read it this morning and immediately he pursues and he's after them after all of these labors, unceasingly, untiringly, he continues his march and he finds these men while the blood stains are in the folds of his garments still from the 15,000 slaughtered that night. While his garments are still blood with, stained with their blood, he tracks these sinners down every single one of them and pours out the vengeance of God on their wretched crimes without any mercy and without any delay without any delay and then then again without any delay he turns his undistracted attention to those two princes whose sins have found them out in verse 21, he slew them forthwith. Now I ask you this morning, why do I retrace for you again all these steps which we've taken together before? Only for this, to remind you again of the unceasing, untiring, unavoidable, relentless pursuit of God's unquenchable wrath and white anger. God never will talk. He will not stop. Indeed, can I say to you, He will not stop. Ever. Until he has accomplished that, this declared 
In Psalm 110, verse 1, the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. He will not stop until he has reached every one of them and brought them to his son's feet. He will not stop. Just by way of a conclusion of our thoughts in these texts, I would say to the sinner this morning, God will send his judgment and it will not tire. You'll never outrun it. You'll never outbrave it. You'll never wear it down. You'll never fatigue it. God, like Gideon here in this text, will never lose your trail and you will fall in the end, hopelessly, into the hands of a perfect God's justice. You will not outbrave it. You will not outrun it. You will not wear it down. You will not fatigue it. The untiring, relentless pursuit of God's judgment. Whoa. <laughs> Dr. R.G. Lee preaching on that payday someday said 40 years. 40 years, a long time to teach school with no pay. But the day came. The prophet had said that dogs will lick your blood, Jezebel. And they did. 40 years. Oh, listen to me. The judgment of God will not tire. It will not go away. It will track the sinner all the way. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13, 14 says this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. And keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing. Whether it be good or whether it be evil. There's the conclusion of the whole matter. God will bring everything into judgment. I contemplated those thoughts. I couldn't help but remember the words of our Lord and Savior in John chapter 9, verse 4. I went back and looked at that text to be sure I understood it correctly. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me. I must, and that word must, Dehon is the Greek word. It means binding. It comes from the base. It means binding something together. Binding like a rope. He said, I must, I'm bound to work, ergo, toil. 
I'm bound. The Lord Jesus said, I'm covenantally bound to do this work. And he will do it. All of it. Not just the work of redemption, but the work of judgment. I must, I must, I must work the work that he sent me to do. Oh, take away from this text. Take away from this text the unrelenting pursuit of God's judgment. Secondly, a second thought I'd leave you with leaving this text. I will say just a word to you about the timing of his judgment. Oh, dear sinner, would you hear me now? When will your call be heard? When will you hear the call of God for judgment? And the die will be cast for all eternity. I can answer that question. Look at verse 7. Gideon said, Therefore, when? When the Lord hath delivered these sinners into my hands. And, verse 9, when? I come again. What is the timing of this judgment? What is the timing of its coming? Oh, it's coming, my friend. It's coming. It's coming. And when it comes, when God delivers you into the hands of his judgment, and he said when I, Gideon said when I, Come again. Oh, listen to me. Let the world say what they may. Let your own deceiving and deluded mind say whatever it wants to say. Christ will come again. Christ will come again. Oh, the wonderful words. Of our blessed confession of faith. The Baptist confession of faith. Listen how it puts the wording. God at the point in chapter 32 of our Baptist confession of faith. God hath appointed a day. Wherein he will judge the world in righteousness by Jesus Christ. To whom all power and judgment is given of the Father in which day, in which day, in which day, not only the apostate angels shall be judged, but likewise all persons that have lived upon the earth shall appear before the tribunal of Christ and give an account of their, listen, faults, words, and deeds to receive according to what they've done in the body. Mm. The end of God's appointing this day is for the manifestation of the glory of his mercy in the eternal salvation of the elect and 
of his justice in the eternal damnation of the reprobate who are wicked and disobedient. For then shall the righteous go into everlasting life and receive the fullness of joy. But the wicked who know not God and obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ shall be cast into everlasting torments and punished with everlasting corruption. God hath pointed, appointed a day. Now let me just say this to you. I don't care what may be your particular eschatological persuasions. And I had a discussion this week about eschatology. Not one of my favorite subjects and not one I'm likely to bring up with anybody. But somebody else brought it up and I had a discussion. And let me just tell you, there's all these theories and all these these spinning this direction and that direction. I don't care what your eschatological positions are. No one, no one, no one in any eschatology will deny these words in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye that are offended because of me this night, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 25, chapter 25. And verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then wherever you put that on the timeline of your eschatology, wherever it is, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divided his sheep from his goats and he shall Set the sheep on his right hand and on the left and the goats on the left. That day, that day is coming. That day is coming. Verse 41, then shall he say unto them that are on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursing, in their everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungered, and you gave me no meal. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not, not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, you visited me not. And then shall they answer and say, Lord, when we when saw we thee hungered, a thirsty, and stranger, and naked, and sick, or in prison, and didn't mean, when did we? And he said, verily, inasmuch as you've done it to one of the least of these, you did it unto me, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment but the righteous in the eternal life when's it going to happen oh when he comes Kitty and said when I come when God has put all his enemies in my hands and I come back here You know it and know it well, but read it with me anyway. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 12. And I beheld, when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she's shaken of a mighty wind. The heaven departed as a scroll when it's rolled together. 
And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every freedman hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come. And who shall be able to abide? To stand. He will come. He will come. He will come. Oh, can I say it to you? He will come. Says our Lord in John chapter 14 and verse 3. I will come again. I will come again. Oh, can I tell you this morning, just surely as the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth His handiwork, as surely as night follows day and day follows night, oh, as surely as the stars in their perfect orbits round the earth continue, Christ will come when He comes. When He comes, Gideon, says, I will execute judgment. I will, says Christ. For in John 14, 3, I will come again. Whether that be in the consummation of all things which I've been reading, or whether that be the day that you look, your eyes turn glazed and your chest cease to move. You draw that last breath and step across that line. He will come. He will come. Judgment will come. And now finally, I would like for us to learn something that is of great value that is not specifically in this text. But it is specifically written about this text and about this man, Gideon. I give you thirdly this point. All that Gideon achieved was achieved by faith. You see, in that chapter that we lovingly and I think appropriately call the Hall of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11. In that great Hall of Faith, he enumerates those great souls who had wrought work for God by faith. Beginning in verse 17, he says, by faith, Abraham. Verse 20, by faith, Isaac. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob. Verse 22, by faith, Joseph. Verse 23, by faith, Moses. Verse 27, by faith, he forsook Egypt. Verse 28, through faith, he kept the Passover, the sprinkling of the blood. 
Verse 29, by faith he passed through the Red Sea. Verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell. Verse 31, by faith the harlot Rahab perished not with the rest. But then he comes to verse 32. Listen to what he said. Oh, and what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon. <laughs> the time would fail me to tell of Gideon. Gideon. Yes, Gideon. Here in this great hall of faith. Here's this man, Gideon. <laughs> By faith. I want you to know all this glorious story that we've read and talked about now for weeks is done by faith. By faith. He trusted the words of that angel that appeared to him that night from under that tree. Down in a wine press. Here comes this angel. <laughs> by faith. All his faith was weak at first. He struggled. But God kept, like a mother does a little child, the little baby. I think I mentioned this back then. It's always a picture in my mind. I used to watch my wife, a little bitty baby, put her hand against the little feet and give him something to push against. Take a hold of his little hands and pull on his little arms. Start working those muscles. What's she doing? Oh, she's building him up. Gideon struggled. He was weak in the faith. But the Lord kept exercising him. Take this away with you. All that you read, Gideon's great accomplishments. He did it by faith. It was by faith. Trusted in the Lord, only trusting in the Lord. The blessed hymn writer puts the question Will your anchor hold in the storms of life? When the clouds unfold their wings of strife, when the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? Will your anchor hold in the straits of fear when the breakers roar and the reef is near, when the surges rave and the wild winds blow? Shall the angry waves then your bark overflow? Will your anchor hold in the floods of death? When the waters cold chill your latest breath? On the rising tide, you can never fail when your anchor holds within the veil. Will your eyes behold through the morning light 
the city of gold and the harbor bright, with your anchor safe by the heavenly shore. When life's storms are past forevermore, Priscilla Owens wrote, Will your anchor hold? If it does, it'll be by faith. By faith. Turn with me, please, and we sing again together. Away back in the back of your book, the number 1137-1137. Would you stand with me, please, and sing, The day approaches, O my soul, the great decisive day, which from the verge of mortal life shall bear thee far away. Another day more awful dawns, and lo, the judge appears. Ye heavens retire before his face and sink, ye darkened stars. 1137, sing with me. The day approaches, oh my soul. The great decisive day Which from the verge of mortal life Shall bear thee far away Another day more awful knowns and lo, the judge appears. Ye hands retire before his face and sing, ye darkened stars. Yet does one short preparing hour one precious hour remain. Rouse then my soul with all thy power, nor let it pass in Thank you.